Would you like me to seduce you? That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Of all the gin joints and all the towns in all the world, he walks in a mind. Why the rum always Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's a trap! Hey guys, welcome to the Celluloid Fiends Podcast. I'm your host, Mo Long, and as always, I'm joined by my loyal co-host. Hey, what's up, Celluloid Fiends? This is Gabriel Ortal. As always, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it, and we would also appreciate if you went over to the iTunes store and left us a rating, left us a review, and subscribed. You can follow us at Celluloid Fiends on Facebook and Twitter, and you can follow me at Mitchell C. Long on Twitter and Instagram, as well as read my writing on pop culture at cupofmo.com. Tonight, we are talking about The Sandlot. This movie came out in 1993 and was written and directed by David Mickey Evans. Evans also provides the narration throughout the film. It stoms Tom Geary, Mike Vitar, Karen Allen, Dennis Leary, and James Earl Jones. It had a budget of $7 million and made $33.8 million at the box office, and currently holds a 60% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes with an 89% audience score. I was actually kind of surprised by the 60% critic rating. I thought that was a little bit low. Well, it's also a children's movie. That's what I, what I have to say about that. Like an adult critic watching a children's movie... Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, probably a fair explanation for why that is. But still, I think it could totally be a lot higher. Oh, yeah. So, this is set in 1962 and focuses on Scotty Smalls, who moves to a small neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley. At the behest of his mother, Smalls makes friends with a group of kids at the titular Sandlot a sandy lot where a ragtag bunch of children play baseball. Unfortunately, Smalls can't play baseball, so he asks his stepfather to teach him, and the film focuses on Smalls as he learns baseball and makes this ragtag group of friends, and they go on adventures and have misadventures. Yes, very much so. So, this is like a movie that I just totally associate with summer, and I think that's for two reasons. One is that it's set in the fucking summer time. And then also, the first time I ever watched it was one summer when I was a small child. And I think I probably had like a fever or some sort of stomach bug. But I just remember it being really hot and humid and sticky out and watching this movie inside and eating banana popsicles with my mom and my sister and watching this film. Banana popsicles, that sounds delicious, Mo. It Uh, was. (laughs) No. This movie, it kind of, um, it brings me back to childhood. I loved this movie when I was a child. Uh, I loved baseball, and I loved summertime. And now as an adult, I can kind of relate to some of the things that happened to the kids. Like, um, going to a, a carnival. There's a scene where they go to a carnival, and, and they do something that they're not supposed to, which is the story of my childhood. Like, a lot of the time when the carnival comes to town, me and my friends would get together and drink 
or smoke cigarettes or, or do other things and that we were not supposed to be doing. And it's just something that I relate to. And playing baseball in the summer with your friends is another thing I relate to. I loved baseball growing up. It was another sport that I played and I actually had a huge passion for. So what was the first time you actually watched The Sandlot? I watched The Sandlot when it first came up on VHS. Because I didn't catch it in the theater. Um, but when the movie came out on VHS, I rented it at the local Blockbuster. <laughs> oh. and, and I watched it with my, um, with my, with my friends. Pour one out for Blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. This is a movie that I think I've only ever seen a handful of times. Like, as much as I love this movie, it's it's not one that I have watched that regularly. Uh, I think that, that probably needs to change, because I, I really enjoyed this rewatch of it. Although, I will say, I remembered it a little bit differently. Like, I remembered everything that happened, but I didn't realize, I think growing up and watching it because i don't think i'd watched this since i was like a kid how similar it is to some stuff like my dog skip or a christmas story right and like but that's like the the typical formula for kids movies like there's always some type of conflict and it's usually something menial or small or sometimes big but i think the thing for me is the plot doesn't feel like it has some overarching narrative and instead it just kind of feels a little bit more like a bunch of anecdotes that are all kind of clumped together right so there's the sandlot group of kids go and and i think i would view this film a little bit differently if there were some sort of longer plot to it instead of just a bunch of anecdotes that are strung together like i still love this movie but it, it just i looked at it a little differently this go around like it like it, this the movie it does seem like it's like a bunch of little stories joined together because there's like the story of smalls moving the town there's the story of him meeting the other kids at the sandlot there's the story of them going to the pool. There's the story of them playing the other kids in the baseball game. The story of the carnival. And then there's the great story of the great Bambino. Oh, yes. Did you have a favorite scene in the film? Um, I definitely enjoyed um, the chase with the dog. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes as well. And I also love the pool scene. Oh, yeah. That's kind of an iconic moment. That's, I think, one of the best scenes in any film, and also one of the best pool scenes alongside the Caddyshack pool scene. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I want to get back to a little bit about what you were saying about baseball. When did you start playing baseball, and how long did you play? I started playing baseball when I was seven years old, and I played baseball all the way through middle school. What caused you to stop playing baseball? Um, interest in other things, sports, girls, um, just things like that. And it's not that I ever fell out of love with the game. It's just 
I got more involved with other things. Do you think you enjoyed this film more because you'd played baseball? A little bit. Yeah, I think, I would assume at least that if you played baseball, even if it was just a little league for a season, that you would maybe appreciate this film a little bit more. I never played baseball at all, except just like in the backyard with my dad and my sister. But one of my earliest and only baseball memories was of getting my first ever like hard baseball. And... I was pretty young. I don't know. I was maybe like three. And I remember my dad threw it to me and I totally just missed and it nailed me right in the eye. Which is like pretty much what happens to Smalls near the beginning of the film. Right. Like another moment, like a moment like that that happened for me. So towards the end of my baseball playing career, I played for uh, the Grace and Truth League, which was like a church league in Rochester. And, um, I, the guy who ran the, the organization was, uh, a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. He, he, he played for the Minnesota Twins. He was now retired and I was, he was throwing out pitches, like fast pitches. And one hit me in the shoulder and it hurt so bad. Like, like the, cause he's throwing the fastballs out yeah. there. Like, from the guy from the Minnesota Twins. Jeez. Yeah, I'm you, you had to ice that one down. Oh, man, it, it hurt. Like, he felt bad because I was only, like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old. So he obviously felt bad. He obviously had a lack of, he, he had a lot lapse in concentration. But it wasn't really his fault. I wasn't really paying attention either. So I was fine, but it hurt a lot. And thankfully, you lived to tell about it. Yeah. But I think that's part of what makes this movie so watchable and has given it the lasting power that it has. Because even... Like, there are a lot of baseball moments that you can probably relate to if you played baseball. But I think just the general sense of having friends and going on adventures and having misadventures, getting in trouble, and also just, like, being a misfit. Oh, yeah. Because, like, none of the kids in this movie are really popular. Oh, none of them. Yeah. And, like, they even get frustrated with one another. Like, you're killing me, Smalls. Yeah. Like, it's an iconic line. But why... So, I feel like there are a number of great quotes from this movie. Why do you think You're Killing Me Smalls has risen to the top? I have no clue. There's there's a lot of good wine liners in this movie. It's like the Colossus of Clout. The Colossus of Clout. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot like... Like, you play ball like a girl. Which is... Not that's a, not PC. That, that's not a PC statement these days, but it's definitely... A one-liner from the movie that caught on. Yeah. Uh, I I would agree with that. Did you have a favorite character? Um, I forgot the character's name. Is the the bigger kid? Yeah. Uh, you're talking about Ham? Yeah, Ham is definitely my, one of my favorite characters. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters, too. And he actually had a very prolific career. Like, he was in an episode of The X-Files. I think it was, like, Bad Blood. And he was also the kid in the big green. Yes. Did you ever see that one? Uh, not no. I saw it a long time ago. 
Yeah, that was one of my favorite movies growing up. I don't think I've seen it since I was maybe 10 or 12. But I remember like watching that at one of my birthday parties. I loved that movie. And I just thought it was always hilarious that he was in it. Because it seemed like he was in a, a number of those kind of kids sports movies. Oh, yeah. There are probably other kids sports movies that he starred in as well. That I just like can't recall off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, he was he was my favorite character. Which uh, I think is kind of interesting because Smalls is like the focus of the movie. Yeah. I feel like he's sort of the low-hanging fruit of who someone might pick as their favorite. And there is our guest host, Sebastian the Dorky. You can follow him on Instagram at Sebastian the Dorky. He's, uh, he's a good dog. He was contributing and telling us that his favorite character is Smalls. Probably because he's a small dog. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, Sebastian watched The Sandlot with me as well, and I think he appreciated it because there were balls in it, and he likes to play with balls. Sebastian, what was your favorite part of the movie? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting viewpoint. He, he I never a, thought of it quite like that. He lends a fresh perspective to the Cellular Teens podcast. <laughs> uh, so, what do you? What did you think of the narration over top? I thought it was overall very, very well done. I agree. Uh, I, I liked the delivery, and I thought it actually added something to the film because I, I think having narration over the top can be a little bit hit or miss like a christmas story and my dog skip i i enjoyed it there the theatrical cut of blade runner was just atrocious but i think that was poor delivery i also don't think those lines were written very well right have you have you seen the theatrical cut i have not actually i've only seen like the super de duper director's cut uh yeah the directors in the final cut are much better but, yeah, no, I, I liked it this time. And for some reason, uh, I didn't remember that being in the film. Like, I'd forgotten really? about it. Yeah, I don't know why. It, it did just been, like, so many years since I'd watched this that I think I just remembered a lot more as I was rewatching it. Like, primarily what stuck out in my mind in the more memorable scenes were the pool scene, the carnival, and then, of course, like... The dog, Beast, and James Beast. Earl Jones. Yeah, yeah. I I really appreciated James Earl Jones's role in this film, and I remember when I was a kid watching this and being like, "Holy shit, that's the guy who voiced Darth Vader!" Right. I when I first saw this movie, I didn't know that James Earl Jones had voiced Darth Vader, but I thought he did a very good job in the role he played. He played like an old blind man who just had a dog. Who, who lived in his yard, and he loved his dog. And he played baseball for the New York Yankees. And he played on uh, Murderer's Row, which was the t one of the most vicious teams in baseball. Yeah, I uh, actually don't know a lot about baseball history. I didn't really watch a lot of baseball growing up. I still don't really watch a lot of baseball. Like, I'll go to a game. Um... 
but mostly just as a social event, hang out and have like a beer and some nachos. See, um, in the movie, Smalls, um, he borrows a baseball from his stepfather. I think it's just a, a baseball. And then they knock it into the, the neighbor's yard, not knowing that it was signed by one of the best baseball players of all time. Of course, um, Mr. George Herman Ruth, also known as Babe Ruth. He, um, so they try to get the Babe Ruth ball back, and they have to get it back from a dog. And there's a chase scene <laughs> and stuff. And then at the end... Like they meet the dog's owner and the dog. They found the dog's like just kind of protecting the yard, but a very docile dog. And but the the, the ball is destroyed, and instead, um, the man gives the kids what he calls the murderer's row ball. And that the that was um, the nineteen twenty seven Yankees, which had Earl Combs. Mark Koenig, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Bob Musil, and Tony Lazzari, which was one of the best teams in baseball. I recognize two or three names from that list that you just read, so if I recognize them, that was a very talented roster. Yeah, it was a very talented roster. They won World Series... So, like, all the players on the Murderer's Row 1927 Yankees had signed that baseball. So, in the end of the movie, the father still grounds the grounds him. But he was very happy with the Murderer's Row ball. So, if he were a ball, he would have been a ground ball. <laughs> <laughs> he was grounded. You're fucking grounded. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I liked that a lot because I think that's something that we've all experienced growing up is just performing some kind of action, like in this case, taking the dad's ball and not really realizing what you're doing and understanding the ramifications for that action. Mm -hmm. And then also, I just loved the subplot with James Earl Jones and like and Beast because I think that's another thing that a lot of kids had grow experienced growing up is that sort of urban legend of having some neighbor and creating some fictitious backstory that everyone, like all the neighborhood kids, subscribe to. And I, I think a good comparison would be Old Lady DuBose in To Kill a Mockingbird. If you ever, I don't know, if, did you read that or watch read it? it? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, I like that sort of narrative structure and having that kind of character in there. And then you start out the film seeing it from the kid's perspective and watching their transformation from holding this myth to understanding who this guy was. Right. Yeah. I, I, that was one of my favorite parts of the film. With that, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking about the Sandlot. Gotta get home for lunch. <laughs> That's one. You know, if my dog was as ugly as you, I'd shave his butt and tell him to walk backwards. The heater. Here it comes. I dare you. 
Strike three, you're up. Hey, is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked. Shut up, Porter! Hey, hey, hey! I'm just trying to have a little friendly conversation. Come on. You think she'd go out with me? Come on, show me your stuff. See what you got. Hey guys, we're back and we are talking about The Sandlot. Uh, I want to talk about baseball movies. What are your favorite baseball movies? Sandlot, Angels in the Outfield, Major League, Major League 2, and Mr. Baseball. Okay, that's a good list. I have not seen either of the Major League movies or Mr. Baseball. Who, who's in Mr. Baseball? I think it's Tom Selleck. Okay, that sounds about right. And I, I love Tom Selleck. Like, hey, I watched a lot of Magnum P.I. as a let kid. Let me fact check that. Hold on. And when you say Angels in the Outfield, are you talking about the remake or the original? The Christopher Lloyd remake. Okay, yeah. That was my favorite as well. Um, that's one of my favorite movies of all time and definitely one of my favorite baseball movies. Yeah, it was Tom Selleck. Um, a former... He plays a for, uh, former... He, he, he plays a baseball player, but he goes and plays in Japan. Oh, that sounds like a really neat premise. And, again, I, I love the Selleck. The stash is unrivaled. So I might have to check that one out. And I, th I think you'd mentioned Major League and the two of us watching that. Yes. So we'll have to check that out. But, yeah, I would have to say Angels in the Outfield, Sandlot. <gasps> it happens every spring. I think oh, those, uh... Field of Dreams. Oh, Field of Dreams is one of mine as well. I love that movie. That is just a total classic. Uh, and Bull Durham. Uh, yes, Bull Durham, A League of Their Own. You know, that's one that I, I've heard of, but I've never actually seen. Really? Yeah. And who, I forget, who's in that? Madonna. Um, Rosie O'Donnell. Isn't that <laughs> Tom oh, no. Hanks. Oh, no, not, not Rosie. Yep. But I do love Madonna and Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is just always solid. So I, I may need to check out A League of Their Own as well. I'll check out the League films. A League of Their Own and Major League. Do you think there's a common thread at all through in any of the baseball movies that you enjoy and why you like them? 
Well, a lot of baseball movies will um, try to give you that overall feeling of just the joy and the smell of baseball, like the, like the smell of summer and freshly cut grass and the sun beating down on you. And a lot of times when it comes to, like, baseball movies where they're major league teams, like, you get, like, the ballpark atmosphere with the hot dogs and the popcorn. And, oh, a couple of the other um, movies I really liked was, um, I really liked uh, the Jackie Robinson movie that came out a couple of years ago. And I, that was another one I didn't see, but I, and I can't remember who was Jackie Robinson in that. I have no clue. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that one I thought looked really good. Like, and I want to say, what was it called? 42? That sounds about right. Yeah, it looked quite solid. Um, yeah, I think what, what I tend to enjoy about these baseball movies that I listed, it's that baseball's in it, but if, a lot of them are very, like, character-driven. Oh, yeah. And to me, that is something I look for just in in films overall, but especially in baseball movies, and I think it's because I don't tend to know a ton about the sport itself. So I think I often seek out something additional in the film that I can relate to a little bit more. Would you call The Sandlot a cult classic? Definitely. Why would you call it a cult classic? I agree with you. Like it's It's a pretty popular movie in the first place. But I feel like there's rumbling, it's not really rumblings, but there's a lot of people who look at that movie favorably as a child, you know? It's one of those movies that never gets old. Agreed. It has, ton, has a great rewatchability. Oh yeah, it ha- this has tons of replay value. Mm-hmm. Like I rewatched it earlier this week and like, I could totally watch it again tonight and be incredibly entertained. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and it's one that like I, I own the DVD. Uh, I think it's one that pretty much everyone should have in their collection. Oh yeah. Do you think this will ever be remade? No, but there has been a sequel. Wait, there was a sequel. Yes. Oh God, no! Why? It was. I never saw the sequel, but I know maybe. 10 or 15 years after the original came out, they released a new Sandlot movie. Did anyone from the original reprise their role? Or was it just a separate cast of characters? I don't know. I know that the children obviously did not reprise their roles because they were all grown-ups by the time the, the sequel came out. Sure. But I don't know if James Earl Jones shows up. I don't know if the kids as adults show up. I don't know if they're new kids or the same kids. I have no clue. Like, I don't know if it's just a new group of ragtag kids or the same ones. I don't know. Yeah, that seems just like a poor decision because this movie is so self-contained. It it works, but there's absolutely no material for a sequel. It was a total cash grab. Yeah, that's disappointing. I'm assuming it was probably straight to fucking DVD or something. It really was. Yeah. Uh, And I I really hope this does not ever get remade because I think it would be difficult to capture the charm of this. Because let's be honest, like, The Sandlot does have its its share of cliche moments. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's it's predictable. You know where it's going. But it's not about having mystery between points A and B. It's about the 
delightful, lovable adventures that occur. Between young, impressionable boys. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I just, I think this is one that does not need any sort of remake treatment. Do you think it would work as a TV series, though? Um, I don't. I think that it's fine the way it was. I feel that it it doesn't need any kind of remake or TV show. I feel it serves a purpose in the movie. It was... It serves a purpose as a movie. Agreed. Do you... Is this like a movie that you tend to watch on a regular basis? I watch this movie maybe once or twice a year. Do you tend to watch it mostly in the summer? Yeah. Because that was something I was thinking about while I was watching this. Is I, I mentioned earlier, it's been a long time since I've actually watched this movie before. Um, but there are certain films that I tend to return to seasonally. And I think this is one that going forward I'll probably revisit every summer. And there are a couple of others though that i actually do like jaws i probably watch jaws and jaws 2 once a year and it's always in the summer i tend to watch they're like a a bunch of christmas movies that i watch every year oh yeah so what this got me thinking what are some of your favorite summertime films um dazed and confused oh that's a great one um the sandlot obviously that's another one. I'm trying to think of ones that like this come off the top of the head. Um, I really can't think of too too many summertime movies that are just that just pop off the top of my head. For me, it would be Jaws and Jaws Two, and It Follows. Which is kind of a weird one because at times it almost seems like it's taking place in the summer and then sometimes it feels like it's taking place like in the fall. It's just like a weird film. And I, I think that may have been like how it was Ladies shot. and gentlemen, just pre-advisory. <laughs> Mo mentioned It Follows in this segment of the Celluloid Fiends. Now, Mo loves It Follows. Gabriel, on the other hand, does not. Now, Mo, let me talk to you about It Follows. I think it was just bad filmmaking when it comes down to the continuity of seasons when it comes to It Follows. Yeah, no, I don't think there was anything intentional about that. It's just something that kind of strikes me about the movie. I definitely don't think it was an intentional aspect of the film. Alright. Yeah. But I I do want to briefly, even though we're talking about The Sandlot, kind of get into It Follows for a moment. So, Mm -hmm. I love the film. I think it channels a lot of John Carpenter vibes with its soundtrack and its sort of minimalist 70s style of horror and it was very it was very quirky but Gabe has a lot of issues with it which he can get into a little bit my main concern with it follows is I, th- I like the premise of the movie 
I like the whole sex, sex, um, say, possess, not possession, but like curse, almost. I like that concept. The only problem is the cast of characters is 100% unlikable. Like, I want all of them to die. We got the guy who's like, oh, I'm shy. And then we got the girl. Like, like I just didn't like the way they presented the characters. I thought they were very pretentious and very snooty. Like, I, wa I really wanted them to die within the first 45 minutes of the movie. I agree about the sex curse. And that, to me, almost seemed like an exploration of that genre trope that I think even Randy in Scream brings up about you have sex, you die. Yeah. And so I thought it was kind of a neat way of probing that genre trope. I, I slightly disagree. I see what you're saying about the characters. I didn't necessarily think they were unlikable. I just didn't think they were very fleshed out like they were very minimalist characters like you don't really get to know them but yeah no i i, I think you you do have like some valid complaints about it but well that's one that maybe we'll have to take a look at oh yeah at maybe maybe we'll pull another james wan type thing where we pick a movie where i hate and mo loves yeah because that was i thought the the conjuring episode was great in that I, th I think we both sort of influence each other's opinions of it a little bit. Oh, like, yeah. I, I love The Conjuring. I still do for what it is. But I think you point out a lot of the flaws that it has. And I think I kind of helped you look past a few of those flaws. Uh, so, speaking of flaws, we've talked a lot about what we love about The Sandlot. What, if anything, would you change about the film? I would change the fact that I would like. I definitely changed the. You play ball like a girl. Agreed. And so I, it's a little on <laughs> PC these days. Um, I might try to <gasps> emphasize more on certain situations, like the kids' infatuation with Wendy Pfefferkorn. Yeah, I think that could have been played up a little bit right. as well. Like, what ways would you play it up? I would have, like, when they have, like, the sleepover, I would definitely have them talking about Wendy Peppercorn. But, like, you can't really get too much in the detail on it because it was a children's movie. And then if you start talking about sex and stuff, you start pushing the PG, the PG-13 and R buttons. And I think having this movie rated, it was, I think it was PG. Yeah. But I think that was the perfect rating for this, like that or G, because you made it that much more accessible. Right. to kids and i agree i think if you made it pg-13 you would have totally missed out on the demographic that this caters to although watching this as an adult i think i probably loved it more than i did as a kid and that's probably because i sort of understood the message of it more when i was a kid i liked it because it was it was silly it was kind of goofy but i think this go around i appreciated the coming of age yeah elements a lot more and i do think it's one of the more successful coming of age stories and this is a movie that i've compared to a little bit this episode but it reminded me a lot of my dog skip and i think in part because of the way that both are have you seen that one i have not seen my dog skip uh, but it, I, i'd recommend it but it again it's just very anecdotal 
And there's a voiceover by Harry Connick Jr. Oh. That provides narration. Oh. But I don't think this is a major spoiler. At the end of My Dog Skip, there's a little postscript talking about how the dog lived to be like 11 and ended up just like passing away of natural causes. And I watched this shortly after I had gotten Sebastian. And I just like looked over at him and it dawned on me that I was like probably going to outlive him. It's always sad to think about um, a pet passing away. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, I, I know I'd be very sad if peanut butter were to pass away or, or marshmallow or, or suspiria. But um, I, I, I experienced a bit of pet tragedy more recently where we lost our cat Dorito, which um, was pretty sad. But, like, it kind of it kind of tugs on... Like, movies like that usually tug on the heartstrings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I was reaching for the tissues at the end of, oh, yeah. at the end of that. Uh, I, I was not reaching for the tissues during The Sandlot, though. No. I was, I was reaching for the popcorn. Yeah! <laughs> As was I, and the paper towels to uh, wipe the fake butter yep. off my hands. Yeah, uh, I I think this is a this is a pretty solid film, and one thing that always surprises me is that it came out in the '90s. For some reason, like it, I feel like it was. I, I always think it was like late '80s, and I don't 90s, know why the that 90s is. Had, had a thing with baseball movies and children. Like there was at least three baseball movies involving children in the '90s that um. That were that were pretty popular. One was Angels in the Outfield. Another one was The Sandlot, and the next one was uh, Rookie of the Year. You know, I've I've never seen Rookie of the Year. One weird part to me about Angels in the Outfield. I recently rewatched that, and one thing I never caught when I was growing up, like as a kid watching this, was there's that line at the end when. Uh, <laughs> Um, Christopher Lloyd's character is talking about like one of the baseball players who's coughing and he's like yep he's got lung cancer from smoking (laughs) and it was like kind of a dark moment for a kids movie and he goes he's gonna join us soon that's sad yeah and I I wasn't sure why they threw that in there if it was for dramatic effect or supposed to be like one of those anti-smoking PSAs for kids but it was Which like, was very popular in, in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember the Ninja Turtles had, I think, probably anti-drug PSAs at the end of episodes. Like, say yes to pizza, say no to drugs. But this was, like, very concrete and, and dark. And when I was re-watching it, I was like, what the fuck? There's also another movie that came out in the 90s called uh, Little Big League. Oh, you know, I never saw that, but I feel like I saw the box art for it, probably like Bizarre Video or, or Blockbuster or something. It was a movie about a young child who had a grandfather that owned Minnesota Twins, and um, at the end of the movie, and, the, and then, tragically the grandfather passes away, but he gives the child the Minnesota Twins. Wait, what? He inherits the Minnesota Twins. What? <laughs> yes. Okay, this seems like a very bizarre plot. Should have done something like that with Slapshot. <laughs> Kid inherits the team. Yeah. 
Well, except I feel like that would have not worked. Like, let me look at this real quick. Um, Little Big League was in 1994. I think Luke Edwards was the main kid, or Timothy Busfield, I think his name is. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I never got around to seeing that one. What One thing I thought was really hilarious, though, was there was, later on, there were a few of those, like, Angels movies, and I know there was at least, like, Angels in the End Zone. Yeah, that, there was a couple of spinoffs off that, and I never really watched those. I did watch Angels in the End Zone, if I recall correctly. It was not nearly as good as Angels in the Outfield. Did they get the property for an NFL football team, or no? I do not think they did. I think it was like a little league team or something like that. Yeah. So because the whole thing with the angels in the outfield that was kind of ironic is that they were they were the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, and something again that I didn't recall from growing up or didn't catch or whatever was when like the entire movie premise hinges on at the beginning when this kid's dad drops him off in a foster care and the kid says but when will you come back to be my dad and the dad sarcastically says when the angels win the pennant and the kid does not understand that the dad's being sarcastic and has no intention of actually being the kid's father so then when the angels start doing well it gives him this false hope and I, I like that I don't think I'd seen since I was probably eight or something like that. So when I rewatched it recently and I was intrigued by that choice. And again, I feel like that's kind of a dark moment for a kid's film. Oh yeah. But that was, if I recall correctly, a Disney movie and Disney was pretty notorious for throwing some dark shit in their movies. Oh, we all remember the black cauldron episode. Oh boy. Yep. And the uh, and the and the the witch cleavage. Oh yes. Yeah. Is there another actor that you would cast as Smalls? No, I would not recast this movie. I would not want it remade. Like I think fantasy casting in this situation because the kid actors are always hard to cast. Yeah, I I agree. I think. Uh, I think this was the ideal Smalls. I, there, if someone else were chosen, I think maybe maybe like Frankie Muniz. I think he could have well, played... he was a child because he's now a man. Yeah, but no, I think he could have, as a kid, played a, a decent Smalls, but not nearly as, as good. Maybe Bobby J. He was that young kid who was in Role Models. Macaulay Culkin, perhaps. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> That's the weird thing about child actors, though. It's like we always go, we always come back to Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, uh, neither of us said Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> I think that Jonathan Taylor Thomas was too much of a good-looking kid to play play any of those kids. Oh yeah, and has he has he done anything? Is he still around? I don't think he's done anything recently. Yeah, I, I the only thing I really remember him from was there was some movie with like. I want to say Tim Allen, where he came from over from the Amazon, was it? And then there was, like, Wild America, and then he was also in, like, a Huck Finn movie. Yeah, I remember that. And that was pretty bad. Because I loved Tom Sawyer, and I thought Huck Finn was a, a better novel. 
And I just remember that movie being a bastardization of the novel. Yeah, but... Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of those films that you can't really, like, touch. It is It is a sacred movie. Oh, yes. And I want to say it screened at, like, some different theaters, even in the past, like, couple of years. Oh, yeah. It, is there another film that came out around the same time or another one of these, like, sports kids coming of age films that you think deserves a cult following that doesn't have one um, like sports kids movies are always hard to um get behind like i think rookie of the year definitely needs that type of treatment i would love to see angels in the outfield because i think like anyone who watched it i think loved it but it doesn't seem to have the same cult following that like, the Sandlot does. And I think it totally deserves it. It was quirky. Danny Glover's in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why that one hasn't started to see some sort of resurgence in popularity. Like, I think it has a little bit. But I think that Sandlot just takes the cake. Agreed. And it's it's a difficult film to compete with. So, why don't we rate this bad boy? Alright. Um, I give this film a four. I think that it's definitely not... Like, it's one of the best movies I've seen. But it's not one of the... It's, it's still, like, a step short of being one of the greatest films ever. Because it's, it's a children's movie my eyes so I'll, i think that a four is a as a top rating for a children's movie i'm gonna go with a, a very similar rating i think i'm gonna go with a 3.8 because i agree i adore this film it has a ton of replay value it's really charming but i agree i think it sort of waters down a lot of the subjects that it talks about right and it also just kind of feels like a string of anecdotes, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it doesn't, at times, it, I don't think feels as cohesive as other films do. I agree with that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with 3.8. Uh, this is definitely one that I, I do want to rewatch on a more regular basis because I'd forgotten how charming it is. And. I think it totally deserves the cult following it has. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our show for the evening, guys. Again, thanks for listening. And don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Give us a rating. Leave us a review and subscribe. Uh, drop us a follow at CellularoidFiends on Twitter and CellularoidFiends on Facebook. And you can check me out at Mitchell C. Long on Twitter and Instagram as well as CupOfMo.com. Don't forget to send in your picks if you have any, because we love picking the movies, but you know what? If you have a pick, we'd love to do it. Just make sure it's at least 10 years old. If you give us a suggestion, we will give you a shout-out on the show. All right, for Gabriel Orto, this is the Celluloid Fiends Podcast.
please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to, please stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 Stop it.